0: Everybody and welcome to the Rocks and Roots podcast. We are extremely lucky because this is the second guest we have had on now in two weeks. I'm very proud of us. Oh, I am, I am Tumbles, and I'm looking at the screen at...
1: Cranky, and we are fortunate enough to be on the Zoom with Greg Calabrese of Rip Van Winkle Adventure Guides. So Greg, um, if you remember from our previous episode, offers guided adventures from short day hikes, extended high-peak adventures, hunting, kayaking, uh, whatever you like. Most of his trips focus on the Catskills region. And Greg, you caught our attention uh, at the end of 2022 because you recently uh, completed the Catskill Nine. So, did I miss anything in your intro? Uh,
2: no, that all sounds just about right. Yeah, I like to uh, I like to focus on the Catskills uh, because um, I've, I've spent the better part of uh, forty years running around them, and uh, I, I just really enjoy them. Um, there's a lot of beauty there, and that's why I tend to uh, try to focus on one area.
1: Fantastic. So have you lost count or do you even bother keeping track of how many summits you have of each peak?
2: Uh, I don't even bother keeping track. Uh, I've I've completed a few rounds of the 35s, um, but it's not really um, that high on my radar to keep track. So I, I just enjoy going up and every time I, summit of the same mountain it's always a different experience there's always different light it's a different day it's different weather uh so it never gets old i never get tired of it.
1: winter versus summer summits it's like a completely different mountain even though you're doing the same mountain so definitely oh, understand that yeah absolutely are you
0: doing anything this weekend
2: uh i am uh guiding a woman and her dog up Wyndham high peak on saturday
0: awesome
2: uh and that should be pretty good the weather's been going back and forth kind of iffy but it looks like it should be a pretty decent day out and then sunday i am guiding a group of folks for their first time in the catskills around Catterskill falls and the north lake area
0: Wonderful. so
2: that's that's pretty much if, if it's your first time here um, you're pretty much obligated to see Catterskill Falls and uh, and the surrounding area so it's, uh, That's, it's so hilarious it because to it, it took us years to get to that
0: <laughs> it's true <laughs> that was one of the, the most recent ones we've done I think
1: <laughs> yes so let's talk about the Catskill 9 um, okay. so for those of you who don't know and Greg you can correct me if I get any of this wrong it is a 22.7 mile loop including Table Lone Rocky Balsam Cap Friday Cornell Peekamus Wittenberg and Slide Mountains.
2: Uh yes.
1: Yeah. Fantastic. Um so you caught our attention because I saw on Instagram you had posted that you led a group and I was like, I don't know what the Catskill 9 is. So we reached out and you just want to start by giving us an overview. I think you've done two rounds now at this point.
2: Uh, I have. I, I've done I've done the 9 a, a couple of times. Not as many as uh, some other people out there in the hiking community that uh, seem to be doing it like every other week, but... <laughs> I've I've been uh I've been through there plenty. Um it's uh you're you're right about the mileage. It's somewhere between it's, GPSs are all different. Um I've gotten it sometimes it's closer to 18 miles, yeah. sometimes it's more like 20.
0: It's like devil's uh,
2: 21. So yeah. Yeah.
0: Sure. yeah.
2: It's uh you know and it depends on how much weaving you do in between. So if you if you hike like a drunken sailor, you're going <laughs> to you're going to add mileage. Um, but yeah, it's uh it it covers nine of the Catskill high peaks, um, either in a day or take your time and do it as an overnighter and uh enjoy a nice night in the woods as well. Um half of most of which is uh bushwhack, so trailless mm-hmm. hiking. Um, so navigating through the forest from peak to peak uh without the benefit of a trail although most of these peaks have been summited so many times now that the herd paths are fairly uh, prominent to follow, right. um, especially now in the winter time with a little bit of snow on the ground. And, uh, you, you know, it's a lot easier to see tracks. But I've gone through it in, uh, in all the seasons, and um, even in summertime you can still see the remnants of where people have walked, if you know what you're looking for. So, it's
0: it's a lot of
2: uh, sorry, go ahead. Oh, no,
0: finish what you were thinking.
2: Your (laughs) thought, sorry. Uh, it's a lot of uh, map and compass, but it's more almost like tracking, uh, being able to see where people have walked before you have and follow the and try to follow their footsteps, um, and and knowing that those footsteps are going in the right direction
0: for sure. Uh, do you know how the Catskill Nine got its start? Who came up with this challenge
2: uh i have no I have no idea um it was on my radar uh, uh several years back uh just looking for ways to piece together um a a lot of the peaks mm-hmm. in one trip and uh i'm I would say that's probably most likely how it got started right. With uh, somebody else also looking to maximize their day out and uh, get as many peaks in as they could. And it became a challenge from there. And over the years, when I first heard about it, it was uh, not very well known. Um, but now over the years, it's becoming more and more known, um, you know, thanks to uh, a lot of the hiking pages and apps like ball trails and things like that. Uh, It's becoming more and more of a a dominant challenge from what I see. I see a lot of people uh, on social media are uh, attempting and uh, completing the the nine as one trip.
0: Well, I could definitely say that a lot of what we need to finish, Crank, are on that list.
2: Yes.
1: (laughs) So uh, were these guided trips and did you do uh, one day and like your second trip, an overnight, like, how did you break this up amongst the various times you've done this? Uh,
2: the first couple of times I've been through it, I was, uh, through it just helping my friend, uh, Jason Pelton completing his, uh, his challenges, his hiking challenges and just going along with him, uh, for the ride, Mm. so to speak and extra set of eyes and, uh, you know, a little bit of motivation, It's, it's easier to, uh, motivate each other to keep going than it is if you're out there by yourself. Um, the, the the trip that you, uh, that I put this on your radar was a guided trip. I had a a client of mine that, uh, was interested in doing it and he didn't want to do it in a day. He wanted to take his time and do it as an overnight trip. Um, which mainly I've just I've done it as a day. So this was actually my first time is doing it as an overnight. Because um, usually I just go right through it and uh, do the loop in a day, and then I can come home. <laughs> how long of a day is
1: that? Because twenty-two miles, nine peaks. Uh, if we tried to do that tumbles, we'd be out there like seventeen hours. <laughs> so it's, how long? Uh,
2: it, it's definitely a long day um it's uh, on average uh for me it's about 12 hours
0: oh
2: uh to do the whole thing to do the loop um i know other people can other people do it faster other people do it slower but for me it's uh yeah it's about a 12 hour day well there's crazy fuckers that when we did devil's path
1: there were people who were trail running devil's path
2: oh yeah Mm -mm. yeah do you see any of that out there uh yeah, um, a lot of what I see, uh, lately, it's a lot of trail runners are, um, are doing the nine, and uh, it's it's just the next, the next evolution in the challenges of trail running the Catskills.
0: Yeah, pretty much.
2: Yeah. Um,
0: so when you did this uh, guide trip, where did you camp?
2: Uh, we camped in between uh, Cornell. And slide in the uh there's a if you look on the trail conference maps there's uh some primitive campsites that are set up throughout and uh so we we started at the denning trailhead uh the phoenicia east branch trail and we hiked that to curtis ormsby um and summited slide mountain as our first mountain and coming down the other side of slide there's a spring about halfway down um and about a quarter of a mile or so away from the first set of campsites so we figured we would fill up all of our water that we needed for the next for the rest of that day and then, and to get us through the next day we filled everything up and brought it with us to where we um picked one of the primitive campsites uh that was off trail a little bit and seemed like a nice spot to hang a hammock and set up a tent and uh we dropped all of our gear there set up camp and then um decided to continue on and do cornell and wittenberg only carrying small day packs and then coming back to camp for the evening so that was so between Sliding Cornell, almost summoning Cornell is the, the last one of the last campsites towards Cornell. Um, is what we uh, is where we decided to camp for the first night, and it was about 11 miles for the first day.
0: So, you did cut it pretty much in half, yeah. Yeah,
1: cool. so I should have done this before, but I'm just looking at the all trails, and there's a peak on here that i have never heard of dink, dink.
2: I, yeah i've never heard of that one <laughs> uh it's not a high peak um it's just one of our sub one of the catskill sub peaks that actually has a name uh not a lot of them do but this one does and it's basically just a small bump between uh, along the, uh, along the, the divide, the Catskill divide, it's just a small bump between Cornell and Friday. Oh, okay. Uh, as you're hiking it, you don't really notice very much. It's not like you're gaining a lot of elevation to get up and over it. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's a beautiful area through there. Uh, if, if you've never been, I highly recommend it. It's, uh, um, it's not well traveled. I mean, there's no trail that goes over it. Uh, it does have some amazing vistas uh, that aren't normally seen by everybody because they're pretty far off trail. Hmm. Uh, but it's it's a it's a great section of forest, and uh, I, I've enjoyed uh, every time I've gone through it. I've I've found uh, something new every time.
1: That sounds that really yeah. cool. <clears throat> One of my favorite parts of doing the high peaks. Uh particularly the Catskills, is once you reach your primary elevation, um just any plateau up in that area is absolutely gorgeous. Um and that sounds like a a really cool spot that I should have looked at before we started this interview, but I'm <laughs> glad I learned about it now.
0: I wonder why they call it dink.
1: Uh yeah, I'm not sure. Hmm. We shall look that so, up. So <laughs> go ahead. <Yeah>. Um <laughs> There is, and I was wondering if you had seen it on either of or on any of your trips. There is a B 25 bomber that crashed on Friday Mountain in 1948.
2: Have you been to that site? Have you seen the wreckage? Uh, I have not seen the wreckage of that site. Um, it's I have it marked on my map and I know where it is. I just, um, every time I'm hiking up Friday and Blossom Cap, it's it's usually a, a secondary thought, and I'm on my way back down, and it's just like, ah, I'll yeah. get it next time. <laughs>
0: and,
2: uh, I, and I haven't, uh, I have not seen it. I've seen photos of it. It looks pretty amazing, and I know it's scattered over several hundred feet of the mountainside. Yep.
0: Yeah, imagine Four. having this this plane see action in France during World War II, and then crashing here.
2: Right. Okay. <laughs> from what I from what I've heard of the crash, uh I believe they think they thought they were following the Hudson.
1: Oh no, kidding Yes.
2: Uh no kidding. and they were actually flying over the Ashokan Reservoir.
1: Yeah, it was a training run. They hit bad weather. They attempted to land at Stewart outside Newburgh. Yeah. Um they weren't heading to Newburgh. They were Heading <laughs> towards Kingston and the mountains, so and they yeah. slammed right into it. Um, so how far down is? Because yeah, the wreckage is scattered like down the mountain. How far, like off trail? How far down the Friday is
2: it? Uh, it is well from the summit of Friday. It's about a thousand feet down. Oh. Um, it's the the wreckage is roughly between twenty five hundred and. 2700 feet okay and um let me look friday
1: is thirty six ninety one. so yep. yeah it, you're taking a bit of a detour to go see this not that we are encouraging people to go bushwhacking and find wreckages we'll leave that for us
0: do that um, <laughs> don't do that in the winter
1: <laughs> so what was the most difficult part of the the loop or in your opinion, what is the most difficult part? And I would imagine that that changes depending on whether you're by yourself
2: or, um, leading a group. Uh, well, the most difficult part of it is the, uh, is, is maintaining the endurance to, to do it. Um, it's definitely physically and emotionally demanding, um, being that, the bulk of it is off-trail hiking. Uh, it's, that plays a lot on your psyche, um, going through either by yourself or with a group, especially if you're with a group and that group is relying on you to get them through uh, as the best way possible. Um, So it's, it's a lot of, there's a lot of thought that has to go into the bushwhacking section and constantly checking your compass and your GPS and, uh, and landmarks while you're in there. Um, So I I would say that's probably the most difficult portion of it is uh, just maintaining the right mental attitude.
1: Do you require, um, you know, groups that you take up there? Do you require any prerequisites for the group? Like, you know, you have to at least be able to take a compass reading or you have to be in, you know, X physical condition or do you just take, like, first-timers if they want to be crazy?
2: Uh, I generally try to make sure that um, people have at least some sort of experience with long days. Okay. Um, whether that be doing, uh, like if doing the devil in a day, which is, I mean, it's, it's longer than this, but I think that this is a little bit more difficult than doing the devil's path. Um, yeah, there's, just there's a, more you're, on, yeah you're on trail the entire time with the devil's path. There's really no thought process. Um, you can hit points where you're basically just sleepwalking. Uh, so I do try to make sure that if I'm taking people through that, they have the physical ability to make it, um, to, to be able to carry themselves over that kind of a day. Um, I don't generally try to take first timers out on things like that. Um, just because you're, it's, you're pretty far out there as far as the mountains go and, Maintaining getting any sort of help should anything happen
0: for sure. I mean, did you have you had any um experiences with people who had frozen up or got worried um, or
2: not on not on this trail? Oh, um, cool. generally, most of the times I've been through here, it's just friends and I okay that are that are coming through. Um, I've taken a few clients through it, and they've been in the physical shape to be able to handle that sort of thing. Uh, But I have run into my own problems on the nine. On one of the attempts um, in early spring, which was still winter-like conditions, I slid down a slope um, at about mile nine through the loop and smashed my knee into uh, into a stump oh. and had to uh, make the decision to limp my way out the remaining nine-plus miles back to my car uh, simply because uh, there's really no way of anybody getting out there to help you, um, and I just refused to be a search-and-rescue statistic. <laughs> so oh, so yeah, I, I, cool. I slowly... It was, uh, it was an excruciating rest of the day, but uh, made it out, made it to my car, uh, just as it was getting dark. Um, I actually ended up only summoning eight mountains because by the time we did trail, <laughs> I, decided, I decided that the side trip to Pika, moose and back just wasn't worth the effort, uh, so I started hiking down... Um, back towards Denning and my friend Jason, who I was with, went on and did moose and caught up with me and I wasn't even halfway down table yet and uh, it was just a long slow uh, limp back to the truck and I was really happy to see that parking lot.
0: You made the right decision, I think.
2: <laughs> this is why we love having you on because you have the
1: best trail <laughs> stories. Like last time you told the story about Uh, you know compound fracture and a helicopter rescue (laughs) that's right so um what you just lost your footing or was it icy or
2: uh it was icy it was still it it was almost more winter-like conditions than we have winter right now um so it was very icy I was on a, a steep slope um between Lone and Rocky and uh I just my I was wearing micro spikes, but I turned around to do something and I didn't plant my foot and my spikes slipped and I slid down the hill and uh the only thing that stopped me was the tree stump. Oh.
1: So was it broken, broken. or just
2: badly bruised or uh badly bruised, uh twisted a little bit. Um just very painful to walk on. Um it took me a, a few weeks of uh rehab after that and some much lesser hiking to, uh, get it back into shape, wow. but it was, uh, not definitely not broken. Um uh, okay. just, uh, just one of those injuries that's gonna end up, you know, you're either staying the night, getting yourself out that day or calling for someone to come find you.
0: <laughs> right. You mentioned, uh, that it was more of a winter in the spring than it is now.
2: Do you have any snow up there? Uh, we barely have anything. Uh, most of the trails are most of the trails are bare right now. Maybe some a few small patches of snow, but it's nothing. Cold. Yeah, it's cold. Um, well, it is today. It's been like fifty degrees for the last week um
0: it's january 11th folks this is crazy yeah
2: it, it's it's insane um the the creek and the river uh here in catskill are pretty much ice free that i've been thinking about going kayaking because <laughs> i'm just like well there's no ice <laughs> might as well go out that's, and the weather's been nice it's that's incredible you know, you're, you're sitting I, around and 50 degrees out and you know the, the creek's just staring at you, and you just want to go just want to get the go boat do something in. right exactly we've
1: been we've switched from hiking to running for 2023 and it's been great having these 50 degree weekends oh, yeah, um, you guys had that huge storm though in december like that didn't obviously stick
2: around if it's 50 degrees
0: did it even hit you uh
2: yeah um well here in catskill on the river we didn't get hit that much but okay. tannersville which is only 20 minutes away uh tannersville and everything at higher elevations uh got hit pretty good um the the high peaks of the catskills ended up with over two feet in most areas that's great Yep. but then but then we were immediately followed by well above freezing temperatures both day and overnight lows and uh, a lot of rain okay but
0: they're still skiing on hunter right they're still making snow
2: they are still making snow. as long As, as long as they can uh, get snow to stick to the mountain, they'll keep blowing it. Awesome, <laughs> let's go. <laughs> I was gonna say if those trails are clear. Let's, let's go. go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. Um, I know. I've seen several reports of uh, the Devil's Path, and uh, people who have who have done the nine over like the last week have all said that they've bare booted pretty much the entire day. Wow, um, just carrying microspikes in their pack. All and, right, uh, definitely no snow to uh, even think about wearing, wearing or carrying snowshoes
1: snow at the
2: moment. So, shorts, trail runners, let's go, Tumbles. <laughs>
1: okay, pretty much. <laughs> um, what is the most pleasant part of the loop, in your opinion? Like when you're out there, you're like, I can't wait
2: to get to this section. Um i really well the section where we can't uh i really love the section uh of the uh Burroughs range between slide and cornell cool. um it's it's such a beautiful uh old first growth untouched section of forest and it's just uh it's i i don't know how to describe it it just feels uh it feels jurassic at points, like you, you expect if you're gonna see a dinosaur, that's where it would be. <laughs> Sweet,
0: like Jurassic Park Dominion, right, cranky?
1: Yes, the <laughs> greatest movie. No, that movie is awful. It's the worst movie ever. That's funny that you mentioned that because, um, obviously, different range, but similar conditions a lot of times in the Adirondacks. We summited. Phelps and we were looking out we were like this is just like Jurassic Doesn't Park work. and as we summited we were playing the John Williams theme and it was hilarious <laughs> nice. so um anything else you want to mention about this loop before we move off and start talking about some
2: other things uh, I would just say that um, for people who are looking at this to do as a first time uh, to definitely uh, get all the information that you need beforehand um, in order to do this loop, and not go into it just because you saw it on all trails. Uh, yes, it's definitely not. Um, it, it's not the most difficult uh, hike in the world, but it's also not the easiest, and uh, it shouldn't be taken lightly, uh, especially in certain seasons. In the summertime, there's no water. Um, there's only there's only one spring uh, on Slide, and that's pretty much about your only chance to find water across the Never Sink uh, Bushwhack Range. So from Friday over till you hit the the, the uh, trail by Table, um, there's really no springs through there either. Uh, that I know of, um, I'm sure if you want to lose a whole lot of elevation, you can probably find some water, but it's, uh, it's definitely, uh, it's definitely a hike that everyone that's interested in doing it should get all the information beforehand and, uh, know what they're getting themselves into.
1: And anytime you are doing a bushwhack, um, map
2: and compass, know how to use it. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, Even if it's not your dominant use of navigation, uh, you should know how to use a real compass and a paper map and have them in your pack at all times. Uh, I generally tend to rely on my phone. It's 2022. Mm -hmm. I I don't, you know, I I don't navigate by the stars. Um, You know, so I embrace technology, uh, but I also understand that technology can break down. And you need to know what you're doing as far as uh, having a backup plan. Uh, so actual compass and map are usually my backup plan. And uh, I navigate using uh, mostly the Avenza app with the uh, trail conference maps on it. It's, uh, it's a great tool. Avenza. Can you talk about that? This is the first time we're hearing this. Oh, okay. Uh, well, the, the app is uh, Avenza. It's a map app. Can you spell um, that? A V E N Z A. And you can. Purchase, I just want to write that down. Oh, okay. Uh, you can purchase maps from all over the world uh, and utilize them on the digital platform that this app is. Uh, so, it, yeah. And it's it has the brand new 2022 versions of the New York, New Jersey Trail Conference maps for the Catskills. Uh, so it has the most up-to-date map set, and it's basically you're looking at a digital version of the paper maps. Um, Very cool. So it allows you to zoom in. You can, like any other GPS app, um, you can set waypoints and trail markers. Even the uh, even the navigational features uh, through Avenza are amazing. Hmm. Uh, from everything that I've messed with with them, um, you could pretty much... Drop a pin on the map on your next peak and it will give you a compass bearing on where you need to go. It will actually, if you have the battery power and you want to use it, it will actually guide you uh, via a, a red line that shows up on the map. So no matter which way you're off from your bearing, it will always adjust for you.
0: So you would suggest this over all trails?
2: Uh, i would absolutely suggest this over all trails okay um all trails is a great app to find hikes mm-hmm. and um a lot of a lot of times i uh their difficulty rating seems pretty accurate um i think their times are off that they list and the mileage the the mileage is usually always off too <laughs> um i think their timing has i think a it's probably a lot more trail runners okay. that are posting. So the average times seem quite fast. Uh, when I look at stuff on there and they they give you the average of, you know, like this trail should be completed in three hours and 47 minutes. Mm-hmm. I always look at, whenever I look at those, I'm like, who's going that fast? Add two hours. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so all trails for the Cats go nine Says hard, which is accurate. Twelve yeah. hours, twenty minutes. So that's about what you did it. So this one for this particular trail, it doesn't seem that far off. But yeah. we've been out there, and we're like, what? What is going on? It's been off by miles for us on other trails.
2: Right. Yeah. Well, it's you know, it's a it's a crowdsourced uh, app, so sometimes it's difficult for accuracy because uh, it depends on what people are using to track their mileage and time. Um, and then it just gets recorded to the oil trails. So it's, uh, I think they generally just take an average of the tracks that are on there. Huh.
1: So our next Adirondack peaks, um, whenever we get back to that are going to be street and nigh and some shameless self-promotion. If you go on our TikTok. I did a tutorial on map and compass using street and I yeah. to get the bearing. Um, so when we head out there, uh, we are going to now also use Avenza. That sounds
2: really cool. Thank yes. you, Greg. Oh, you're welcome. Uh, yeah. It's a, it's a great app. Um, I use it for a lot of stuff too. Not just the cat skills. Um, I use it to pull up maps uh, for hunting and oh. things like that. Um, Cause you can find, uh, you can, any map that's available in their map store, you can purchase and have it downloaded. So I use it for a lot of stuff. So is
1: the platform free and then you purchase the maps or is the platform a
2: subscription as well? Uh, it's both. It's You can use it. I, I use the platform for free and purchase the maps, but you can go pro and pay for a subscription. Yep. Um, it gives you a few other details that you can use that i've never it just doesn't appeal to me to have to pay for yet another map app yep. gotcha no. so it just be okay. taking the, the
0: physical map with you
2: right okay. <laughs> which i carry both anyway right, so right, right. And, uh, but it's it, as far as as far as it goes uh even for me with with it being free it's uh it works just great cool well thank perfect. you perfect all right, so let's
1: get into some other things that we didn't get to the last time um, we had you on. What is your most requested or most popular adventure for uh, Rip Van Winkle, your company? Um,
2: um... I I would have to say probably hands down it's Catterskill Falls it's uh it's one of the most popular attractions in the Catskills um so I do get a lot of calls uh for people who just want to see the falls don't know the area and want to just you know be taken around and uh shown some beautiful sights um and it's also one of the most accessible locations for for all skill levels so um it's uh, it's generally one of my biggest uh, one of the biggest places I go to. And then you also
1: do high peak stuff and kayaking, as we mentioned. So,
2: um, call Greg up if you are okay. wanting to go to the Catskills. Yeah, any any outdoor adventure, I pretty much do. <laughs> so, what has been so, uh,
0: your most unique request?
2: Uh, let's see, most unique request. Uh, Hudson River Island camping by kayak. Um, out out here uh, off of uh, off of Catskill and Athens, we have uh, a few small islands mm-hmm. um, that are state they're state owned, so they're open public land, and uh, we do a lot of kayak camping. Oh,
0: how fun!
2: Um, is that? Um, so it's a lot of fun. Uh, it's it's almost like car camping, the amount of gear that you can carry on a, on a kayak or canoe and uh, get out and do some, do some camping along the river. It's uh, it's really cool. You can take a lot more stuff than backpacking and uh, it's just a fun day to be out on the river and oh, the islands have their own wildlife and stuff that live out there. And uh, so it's, it's really cool. Oh,
0: that sounds great.
2: What, What unique wildlife
1: are on those islands that you don't see on the mainland? Uh,
2: Not really anything unique. Um, It's just the islands do have their own populations of deer that live on the island. Uh, Oh, okay. And uh, um, Rogers Island, which is uh, underneath the Rip Van Winkle Bridge, if you've ever driven across that over the Hudson, it's the large island that you look down on as you're driving across. Rogers Island actually has, uh, bears that live on it. No kidding. Yeah. Huh. And, uh, I've seen, I've seen turkeys out there. Um, and, uh, but mostly a lot of deer, uh, they walk across when the river's frozen. Oh, of course. Um, or they get across when the tide goes out and the channels are a little bit narrower and they can jump across them and, uh, and they tend to stay out there because they're not bothered and there's plenty of food. Awesome. Sweet. Nice. All right. Um. So we didn't get
1: to the first time we had you on uh, your huntings. And that was one of the things we had on our agenda and one of the reasons why we wanted you to come back. So I'm assuming deer is the most common game. Uh, but what else? You just mentioned a couple things that you could hunt. <laughs> Bear turkey. Um, what what is your primary game, and then what else have you hunted that might be
2: unique? Uh, primary game that I hunt are uh, white-tailed deer and wild turkeys. Hmm.
0: Uh,
2: that's that's primarily what I hunt. Um, you can also hunt. Uh, you can hunt black bear here. Okay. Uh, there, I don't...
0: there's no like time period like in New Jersey, correct?
2: Um, well, there's a, there's There's a, there's, there's there's hunting seasons for everything. So, um, yeah, there's, there's certain times of the year where you can hunt certain animals and then other times of the year you can't, uh, I don't personally hunt black bear, uh, just because I've had, uh, several run-ins with bear all around the country. Uh, and I've walked away from every single one of them unharmed. So I believe in keeping the karma going and, uh, I just, I won't hunt bear, uh, for myself. Uh, I don't have a problem with taking someone else to an area and they can choose to hunt one, but I don't generally do it. Uh, I mainly hunt deer and Turkey. Uh, but then there's small game and game birds. So you can hunt rabbits, uh, Squirrels, which a lot of every time I mention squirrels, people are like, "Really? Squirrels are actually quite delicious to eat." Um, they're yes, <laughs> they're they're pretty good. Uh, and uh, there's a lot of a uh, lot of game birds in in New York State. We have quail, we have mm-hmm. pheasants. Uh, I'm sorry, not quail, grouse, um, and uh, pheasants, uh, and of course, waterfowl, ducks, geese. Things like that. Um, so there's uh, there's lots of stuff we have out there that we can hunt.
1: What is what do you use for equipment? Um, bow and arrow,
2: rifle, both, uh, all of the above. Um, I'm predominantly a bow hunter, so i choose to uh, I choose to use bow for just about everything uh, except for duck hunting. Uh, although I have seen people hunt ducks with a bow and arrow before that's nuts (laughs) i'm not that i'm not at that level that's uh that's that's some pretty good shooting uh but i will use bow for for deer i will use bow for i have taken wild turkeys with the bow before um and uh i've gone out and attempted rabbit hunting with the bow but they're pretty quick quick, you got to be on the ball so it's a little it's a little tough but mainly bow um and then uh I'll use shotgun for duck hunting.
0: And so have you been hunting your whole life?
2: Uh no. Um I grew up around in a hunting community. I mm-hmm. mean, there's a lot of hunters here in Catskill. I had a lot of friends who hunted when I grew uh growing up here, but uh my family didn't hunt, so I wasn't really uh um that big of a hunter. Um I wasn't against it. I just wasn't, I didn't grow up in a family that took us out hunting. And then, uh, probably about 15 years ago, started watching what goes on with our food and, uh, industrialized farming and realized that I should probably start learning the skill of hunting and, um, and hunt for my own meat. Good for you. So I try to, uh, I try to get a deer every year and that pretty much holds me over from, uh, being able from having to buy red meat at the grocery stores.
1: And on your Instagram, um, I saw some venison chili Mac that looked absolutely amazing. Oh God, it was delicious. (laughs) (laughs) So uh, do you process it yourself? Do you take it somewhere to be processed? How does that part of it work?
2: uh a little bit of both um over the years i've done my own processing uh where i've hung a deer up and you know you quarter it and Mm. debone it and get all the meat and everything and then process your own stuff it's very time consuming uh so i found that it's easier for me to um go to some of the local farms here that do deer processing during the season and uh You drop the deer off. Um, You can kind of pick and choose how you want cuts and things like that. Uh, So you can get steaks and have some of it ground or however you want. Generally, I end up getting most of it ground up. uh, So it looks like ground hamburger. And then I small batch process my own stuff from there. Uh, So I'll make small amounts of uh, homemade sausage from that or um i press burgers with it and uh eat a lot of uh what i call burger steaks because i'll press them so they're about an inch thick um and sear them really fast in a cast iron pan um and hit them with some gravy and mashed Mm -hmm. potatoes on the side
0: oh we're coming right Uh, over that sounds great
2: oh god It's, (laughs) it's some of the best it's some of the best food you'll ever eat and uh and deer is one of the leanest meats, um, that you can get high in protein, but very lean, little fat, um, really good for you. And, uh, of course the best thing to make is, uh, since you have it all ground up is, uh, to just make tacos. Nice. So I do a lot. Of, I do a lot of that. Um, a lot of my camping trips involve, uh, venison tacos as a, as a first night meal. Um, mostly if you're for multi-day trips, the first night is always nice to uh, be able to pack in some real food mm. uh, to cook. So, uh, cause you don't have to worry about it um, going bad on you in the first day. You just take it frozen and let it thaw out in your backpack as you're hiking. Uh, so I make a lot of venison tacos uh, out by the campfire. Great, Awesome. That, That sounds amazing.
1: Um, So Tumble's mentioned in New Jersey. We have a lot of laws. New York also (laughs) has a lot of laws. I'm I'm not sure. I think our respective governments compete. And we know that they work in tandem to see how many restrictions they can place on (laughs) firearms and hunting and and various things. But um, so what... Are some specific laws in New York state for hunting that people should know about or that you find kind of restrictive? One of the things Tumbles mentioned is in New Jersey, we have a bear hunt for the first time in years, and it caused a bit of a controversy in our state. Yeah,
2: I heard about that. I was unaware that um, for years you weren't allowed to hunt bear in New Jersey. We
0: overhunted them.
2: Ah. And and now they're overpopulated. Now they're eating
0: so. out of the garbage
2: cans. Yeah, <laughs> <Yes>. right. <laughs> and becoming nuisances in uh, in Harriman State Park and places like that.
0: Yeah, absolutely.
2: Yeah, you um, yeah. You, you got to love when they label them nuisance bears, though. They're just being bears. <laughs> yes. <laughs> it's yeah. It's the people who gonna have gonna made do. them a nuisance. I mean, they taught them where the food was. Exactly. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, let's see, New York State. Uh, we do have a lot of laws. (laughs) Um, what, one of the laws that, uh, that the DEC passed for hunting, um, a few years ago was, uh, antler restrictions, um, for deer hunting. So they placed, um, restrictions on the size of a deer that you could hunt basically by, uh, judging it by the size of the antlers. Um, uh, a, a small, immature buck um, would be known as a spike. Uh, it usually looks like a goat. It's got two horns sticking out, not like the usual deer racks that you're used to seeing in, in mature deer.
1: Right.
2: So in order for uh, New York State to try to um, get more mature deer uh, in the herd, they placed antler restrictions on a lot of the uh, counties and uh, wildlife units in the Southern tier of New York state, um, which basically means from what they did was you can't harvest a, a buck that ha- it has to have more than three points on one side. So a point is any spike in it's antler that's larger than um, two inches. And uh, so, generally, deer antlers grow um, the same on both sides. So, three points on one side was basically a way of saying that you couldn't shoot anything smaller than a six-pointer. So, which is, uh, you know, for for a deer to get uh, a rack that size, they're usually over two years old. So, it's, it's helping the herd and getting a little bit more mature deer and, uh, and larger deer. Um, it causes a lot of controversy in the state. There's a lot of people that don't agree with it. And there's a lot of people that do agree with it. Um, I agree with it to the point where, uh, I generally in my hunting, I try to pick mature deer out of the herd. I don't like to shoot young deer. Um, number one, they're smaller, the younger ones. Um, So you don't yield as much meat from it. Uh, So I I don't see it as a necessity to have to shoot something that's not going to fill my freezer. So I like the antler restrictions to the point where, you know, people, it it, it makes hunters have to think a little bit more um, and know what they're shooting at, as opposed to just going out in the woods and uh, shooting whatever walks by.
1: Those that um, disagree with the restriction, what is their argument? We are fair and balanced on the Rocks and Roots podcast. Uh,
2: well, let's see. Their their argument is, um, as they like to say, "You can't eat the horns." Um, even though deer have antlers, not horns. Um, so they're basically saying that they're, they're not they they don't call themselves trophy hunters. So they're not trying to get a large trophy buck. Okay. Uh and they just want to put they just want to put meat on the table. And okay. and also that that limits know, their options. Yeah, it limits their options. People don't have a lot of time to hunt. You might be limited with the time that you're out in the field. Um and so there's there's arguments to both sides of it. Uh I just think if people adopted more of the thought process of just trying to harvest more mature animals, we wouldn't need the state to step in and with regulations.
0: Right. I can okay. understand I can understand both sides, actually.
2: Yeah, I yes. you know, I, I see both sides of the argument as well. that's But you know, I totally agree like...
0: with you. You might as well look for a, a bigger buck so you can have right. more food.
2: <laughs> right. Yeah. And also where the county that I live in, the the buck to doe ratio is, uh, well, it's very low on the buck end. You yep. have about, probably about 15 doe to every one buck. Wow. Um, so that kind of eliminates the need for bucks to fight for um, for for breeding rights over the herd because there's tons of doe out there.
0: Right. Hmm.
2: Uh, so the way I look at the antler restrictions is that in tandem with the antler restrictions, the state should hand out more dough tags so we can harvest more does, um, for, for meat. since if you're just trying to fill the freezer, so to speak, and put meat on the table, why not shoot a mature dough that's past breeding age and, uh, let the uh let the younger doe move up in the herd and become the dominant breeders
1: that makes sense to me as a hunter
2: (laughs)
0: yeah exactly
1: (laughs) yeah that it seems logical i can't claim to have any firsthand knowledge but that definitely seems logical so are there any restrictions with turkeys
2: um no, there's not
0: I wouldn't think so. not any that
2: uh, there's not any that I would that I would uh, think to to talk about. Other yeah. than the fact that they don't re- turkey turkey season has two seasons, so we have a spring season and a fall season. Mm-hmm. So spring is when the turkeys mate; it's their mating season in May. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's when the toms are. You'll see them puffed up, and they they're doing their their best to attract the ladies. Uh, and it's a really exciting time to hunt. Um, but in the fall, my biggest gripe is that turkey season ends well before Thanksgiving. Oh. And you would think it would run through to Thanksgiving. Yes. And it, it just seems that there would be nothing more American, so to speak, than to wake up on Thanksgiving morning and... Go harvest a wild turkey, and then come home and cook it for dinner. Yeah, Seriously. but you uh, I mean you can. you just have to be out there weeks before and store it in the freezer. Okay. <laughs> That's about my only gripe with the state regulations for turkey season. <laughs> okay.
1: Um that we are just about out of time. Uh, Is there anything else that you wanted to share? Any cool stories that you could think of or anything about your uh, company that you wanted to share? Just anything that we missed in our outline?
0: I had a question actually about your bear experiences Uh, because Cranky has been dying to see a bear for about six years now and I'm so sick of hearing him talk about I want to see a freaking bear. (laughs) Can you tell us some of your bear stories?
2: Okay. (laughs) Okay. I, I will tell you my favorite and scariest bear story. All right. Uh, this, awesome. this, was in, uh, this was in Arizona. Um, I was hiking in the Superstition Mountains uh, in, a, in a canyon called Fish Creek Canyon. And I'd gone there. It, it was pretty much my go-to Saturday morning. I would go hike there every weekend. And uh, I was hiking out there one weekend. And... It was probably late spring, so the weather was nice. It wasn't super hot. Um, This trail has a lot of pools of water, and uh, I was playing around. I was deep, probably about six, seven miles in the canyon, and I was playing around in a pool of water, just kind of knee-deep, splashing around, and I heard movement through the brush behind me, and I just kind of turned to glance and I saw a black shape move through the bushes. And I was like, that's not somebody's dog. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, I, I got pretty quiet. And the next thing I knew, a black bear emerged from the brush. Uh-oh. And I honestly didn't know what to do. Um, so I backed up, I was in a Canyon and I backed up against the Canyon wall. Now knee deep in a pool of water. Mm. <laughs> and, uh, I backed up against the canyon wall and just kind of stood there. And there was a small sandy area at the edge of the pool that I was in. And this bear turned and started walking towards the sandy area. And uh, in the meantime, it hasn't seen me. It doesn't know I'm there. Um, I have no idea how it didn't know I was there. We were so close to each other. And I watched this bear... Put one paw down in the sand and then he crossed his other paw over it and began to start to lay down. And I was just like, <laughs> all right, I can't sit here while this bear takes a nap. Um and I was going through like all kinds of things in my head, like, what can I do? I'm like, if this bear charges me, I guess I can scramble up the side of the canyon, you know. 15 20 feet and sit there until the bear gets bored and leaves (laughs) you know like what do I have I I had some like beef jerky I could throw at it (laughs) if I needed to um so I ended up um I made it I I made a cough so it would know that I was there Mm. and it looked up at me as startled as I was when I saw it walk out of the brush And we stared at each other for what felt like forever, but it was probably only about 10 seconds. And the bear kind of turned its head and then turned its entire body and just decided to keep walking away. And uh, I sat there at that pool after that bear left, shaking for probably about 20 minutes and then decided to keep going further away from the bear and up Canyon more uh, just to give it time to get out of the area. Uh, But unfortunately it had walked towards my Jeep. So the whole way back, (laughs) walking back towards my Jeep, I kept thinking with being face to face with a black bear.
0: Um, Greg, I'm so sorry, but the uh, internet paused on me.
2: So oh, no. Can
0: you just repeat what you were thinking as you were walking back to your Jeep?
2: <laughs> so, <laughs> I so missed the, the punchline. <laughs> no. So the whole time I'm walking, I'm going back towards my Jeep, and there's a lot of, it's it's a canyon in Arizona, so there's a lot of boulders and scrambling. And uh, every time I would scramble over a boulder, I kept thinking I was going to find this bear in a sandy spot taking a nap. <laughs> I was like, that's what it was looking to do, <laughs> but never saw it again, I'm uh, gone. thankfully. <laughs> uh, but that was the, uh, that was definitely the, the time that made me decide. I was like, I am not hunting bear. <laughs>
0: I'm
2: like, if, if, if a situation like that where, you know, I was pretty much had done just about everything wrong with bear encounter, with bear encounters, um you know they say never look it in the eyes I stared right at it. <laughs> um you know so don't uh, back I yourself thought... up against a canyon wall right don't <laughs> back yourself up into a canyon uh you know and um but I made it you did the bear decided to let me go I wasn't good I wasn't a meal for it and uh I'm thankful about it. it was that. just tired so are yeah. we. <laughs>
1: so, I don't want to get that close, but I would still like to see a bear on one of these trails at some <laughs> point before I get too old and broken to do this anymore. Yeah, we heard uh, one
0: in Georgia. Uh-huh. Yes, and we saw one from the car. Doesn't count. Doesn't count. Shut up. From the car <laughs> in Shenandoah. Nice. <laughs> I thought that it counted. Was... It doesn't count.
1: It doesn't it, count. It, it was we were in a vehicle. It doesn't count. We were tourists <laughs> yeah. at that point. So it doesn't <laughs> so I don't know, Greg. Does that count in your opinion? Uh it depends. How close was it to the car? It was walking away from us. It's like 30 yards. Was, yeah. But, but that counts. I'm, I'm oh, gonna count it. Yeah. I'm gonna count it. I I <laughs> disagree still. <but> this is still <laughs> the I night- will. Hopefully not die on, because I don't want to get eaten by a bear. <laughs> right.
2: Well, the good thing is, is East Coast black bears are very docile and yeah. non-aggressive. Um, the 95% of my bear encounters in the Catskills is seeing their asses as they're running, running away. as fast as they can <laughs> away from me.
0: Oh uh, I'd be all right
2: with that. That would count. <laughs> so a
1: bear <laughs>
0: butt. Okay, good. good.
1: Yeah, bang the trekking poles if you know
2: make noise and they they dart off right mostly yep yeah okay pretty much um i i imagine they smell us coming long before we ever even get close to seeing them and then the problem that tumbles and i have is
1: neither one of us are really light hikers we sound like bigfoot and (laughs) we were also usually talking um so they if they've been in the area they are gone Long right. before we even
2: are aware that they were there. Yep. So, and it's amazing um, how something so large can be completely silent when it wants to. For yep. sure. We
1: did see in one of the moments that we shut up on trail, um, a kingfisher in the Adirondacks, which is apparently extremely rare. Oh nice. Yeah. Yes. That was
0: that was so. an interesting moment. It was quick too. It was one of those, we looked at it, it looked at us, and then darned. <laughs>
1: uh-huh. <laughs> yep. So, um, all right. Before we head out, do you want to give all of your plugs? How can people book an adventure, get in contact with you, follow your Instagram so they can look at your amazing recipes, all of that good stuff?
2: <laughs> uh, yeah, absolutely. You can uh, you can email me and check out my website at com uh you can follow me on instagram is rvw adventure guides and that's where you can see all my uh amazing uh wild game meals and some not wild game meals i like to cook (laughs) uh and uh i'm on facebook uh at rip van winkle adventure guides fantastic so you can message me through any one of those platforms uh ask questions ask about a hike suggestions uh or book a hike and uh in the warmer weather you can book some kayak camping phenomenal and
1: you have the best stories so at some point we should have you back on just to do a story
0: time yes sure Story
1: time with rip van winkle Adventure guides. All right, thank you so much, Greg. Um, Thank you. Have a wonderful evening. You too.
0: So much, Greg. If you wouldn't mind just staying on just for a moment after we get off with our lovely listeners. All right, y'all. It was a wonderful chat with Mister Greg, and talking all about the cat skills. He's a wealth of information and if you are curious about what we are doing which is not very much because we're running a lot lately uh but crank is cranking out some videos on TikTok see what I did there um so crank what have you been doing
1: oh uh, i just did a speaking of uh cooking greg i just did a dutch oven guinness stew recipe which was absolutely delicious um i mentioned <clears throat> Before that, I did a, a brief Map and Compass tutorial on there using the Catskills Street and I as, um, you know, a sample. That's what I used to, to demonstrate Map and Compass. I've uh, re, rebuilt our first aid kit for our hikes, so that is on there. If you want to know how to do a first aid kit, that doesn't suck. Um And... Um, I think before that I did knife sharpening, so skills. And then once we get back out there, we'll do some, oh, we have a, I shortened, I shrunk it down to eight minutes. Our last, um, hike, which we did in the Adirondacks, uh, is on TikTok as well. Sweet.
0: And you can find us on TikTok at rocks underscore roots underscore Pod. Cast pod whatever find us just put our names in uh find us also on insta under the same name send us an email same name at gmail or not on facebook we don't like facebook so all right y'all thanks for listening catch you on the flip side ciao